ever ordered anything online. <laughs> and it just, it doesn't look the same, but right? Like when you ordered it. <laughs> and the sizes, you know, you go for like a medium, and you get there, and it's either like XX 47L, you know, or like you, you order a lot of products. You wash it once and it even gets smaller. Every time you wash it, it actually gets smaller. So we wake up and in our order, then I pass it to Joshua, he washes it, pass it to Shintal, he washes it, pass it to Kelly. So we all get used to it. But it's a real thing that often there's an expectation of us for what it is that we desire. And often this expectation of our life that we often buy with our eyes, not with our head. So, so we don't do research, we don't like follow up and stuff and say, well, you know, this, uh, this fantastic generator that they're importing from an Asian country that only costs 25 rand, you know, they get it to run a small city for a week. And you think that this is not really going to work, you know, this, is, this doesn't make sense. But somewhere in our heads, this is what we do. And, and I, I want to chat around this this morning because I've got to ask a question this morning. You know, is the world really attracted to the gospel that we share right now? Is the gospel attracted to the gospel that we share right now? And we'll have said this morning, you know, we're going to give a time for the owner. But I said in leadership last week, I said, this is the main thing that when you switch on a light, you don't have to put a little sign there that says, all moths and bugs welcome. <laughs> that when you switch on the light, automatically, you know what, bugs and moths just come to the light. I read to the Gospels and just reading about Jesus' life and I never once did I see him put a Facebook ad on, you know, never once did he organize a crusade, never once except the upper room that he took a building for an event. But everywhere he went, the word of God says that people were drawn to him. And those words have just knocked me over the last few weeks. Because I'm thinking to myself that if I did not have a title as a pastor, if I did not have the title as a believer amongst people, how many people would still be drawn to me as a person because I'm living a life that is worthy of the calling of God? How many people will come to me and say, there's something different about your life? And it's a challenge. It's a real challenge for each and every one of us because, you know what, we got this thing where that if we want to be like that, then we need to be perfect. But perfection's got nothing to do with it. And this week I realized that what we need to do and more than anything is truly start to understand the Word of God. Now let me put it this way, why I'm saying this, because I find that in Christian life and in church life, we misquote so much of the scripture to suit our needs. So, so all of a sudden we end up in a need for finances. And then all of a sudden you and I find every single scripture in the Bible that's got to do with finances. But we don't read the verse before, we don't read the verse afterwards. We just like that part where it says, seek you first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And then we follow that all these things, and we never ever find out what it Seek ye first. What does it mean to seek ye first and all these things? You see, we're in a place in our lives where we want all the things. <laughs> but we're in a season right now, and, and get me up quickly, 
in general. <coughs> Maybe if you feel that your prayer is not the answer right now. Many of you, how many of you pray for COVID this year? But then God. How many of our jobs and feasts have grown better? You know? How many of our relations are stronger than they were before? And so, let's be honest, they just, they just call us face to face this morning that so many people here in this room are absolutely despondent this morning because we're praying nothing's happening. Let's be honest. Where, where are the signs that, where are the signs of the ones miracles? Where are the dead that have been raised? I feel like I'm in a season of my life that every person I pray for dies. I let it be honest. You know? I mean, how many of you have got enough gold, faith this morning, to actually go up to someone and say, well, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, this person's going to get up. Or, or we come to that place in our lives where we're just going to pray for the sick because they need prayer. But whatever happens, happens. And we haven't got this, this confident assurance that it's going to happen because we said it's going to happen. And one of the scriptures that we take so out of context, and I'm going to read you this morning, is John 14. And I want you to go to John 14 this morning. Because I think this is the, 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 the passage of scripture that has so many Christians that have taken completely, completely out of context. Now hear my heart this morning, okay? Hear my heart this morning. I'm not being critical. I'm not condemning. But I think we need those to wake up. We need to wake up to what's happening around us. But Jesus is having this discussion with his disciples. And so he told this one, he says, so Jesus, Jesus he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Now, now I want you to hear what I've got to say this morning because I need to emphasize some stuff. You see, because we can say these scriptures and say, let not your heart be troubled. But the next verse is the most important verse in the thing. It says, trust in God. So we just say, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. People are actually going to say, let not your heart be troubled. And they skip up eight verses and they go, for, for I'm going to prepare a place for you, my father's house. They, they skip five verses. And all of a sudden there's this doctrine. So he says, you've got to understand something, guys. It's been disciples. Let not your heart be troubled, trust in God. He says, believe also in me. So all of a sudden he says, if you don't want to be troubled, there's two things you've got to do. Trust in God and believe in me. If you don't want your heart to be troubled, there's two things you'll do. Believe in me and trust in God. So, so we skip that. We skip those two things. Then he carries on and says, I think it's going to be a better teaching this one's available, right? So he carries on and says, In my father's house are many mansions. And if, you, and if it were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. He says that, and where I go now, I know, I know you know the way. And Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how you, how do we know this? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. So he explains this to himself. He says, you've got to understand something. Something's going to happen. I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the Father. I'm going to prepare a place for you. What? Where's the place? I'm going to open up the way that you as a mortal man come to the presence of God. That's what he said. I'm going to prepare a place for you. He says, and he carries on, he says, but you understand something. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What is he speaking about? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life to the Father. 
to you the Father. I am the one that opened up doors for you. And it carries on this and says, And if you have known me, you should have known my Father. And from now on you know him, and you have seen him. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and let it be sufficient for us. And I want to stop there quickly. Because this is the problem that we have in church life. Is that we get so focused on one thing. We so focused on one thing. We have guys that have spent three years with Jesus. They've traveled. They've seen Nazareth come out of the tomb. You know, they've seen thousands and thousands of people. They've seen every miracle that there possibly is. And then Philip still asks the question, Show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And I want to mention that this morning because, you see, we get to a place where the Father or the church replaces the place for the Father. There's an expectation that comes from the church to do certain stuff. Now, what did he say about to me? Trust in God and believe in me. But he carries on and he says this. He says, Jesus said to him, I have been with you so long and yet you have not known me. Philip, he said, who has seen me? I seen the Father, and, and so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not know, do you not believe that I am the Father, the Father in me? And the word that I speak to, I cannot speak to you out of my own authority, isn't it? But the Father who dwells and does his work in him. Now listen to that. Listen to that carefully. It says, you got even Jesus says this. You gotta understand, I'm the Son of God. He says, but if you want to get this thing right, you've got to understand a few things. Why? That I do not speak one word without the Father's authority. Yeah. Okay? Without the Father's authority, he says, he says, I do not speak to I speak to you and I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father dwells in me and does his work through me. And how do we miss this often? Because we've got to understand something that even Jesus said, there's nothing that I do that the Father hasn't given me permission to do. Now think about this. Think about how much problems we would solve in our lives if our authority came from Him and not from Yah. How much more effective we would be as a believer and as a church if everything goes through Him for approval. So, I've lived in my home for, for 30 years, and I, and I need to share this with you, it's, it's a weird thing, okay? But I went through a phase where my neighbors were, were actually like just dying around us. And the first thing I had was Uncle Cass, an old man next to me, that finally could get hold of him, and said, you need to go check and jump up the wall, we get into the house, Uncle Cass is dead on the floor, he died. And I remember standing there, oh Lord, you know, I could have done something about this if only I knew kind of thing. You know, you go through that emotion. Probably about six months later, the neighbor on the other side called me and says to me, please come and help. The guy that's living there is not doing well. So I jump over the wall and I run and hit his bed and this guy's on his last. This is what you're all. And um, as I did, I think it was the first thing I said to him, I think it was, I was, geez, I'm going to pray for a miracle right now. And in that moment, God says this to me, I don't want you to pray for him, I want you to pray for his peace. It was a hard thing for me, because I said, God, but you've got the ability to heal. And I felt like God in that moment said to me, but this is not one of those times. It was a big thing for me, because you know the word of God says that we'll answer the sick, they will 
Sardinis. But the scripture in Matthew, Matthew John says this, I will not operate unless I operate under the power and by the authority that God gives me because He's the one that will do the work through me. Now we need to ask ourselves, how much work that is done through us is done by something else besides God? And how much work do we do is stuck here instead of here? You see, Jesus said this, says, if you see me, you see the Father. And you should know that there's not a thing that I do without my Father's permission. How much of what we do has got God's permission on us? You hear me? Do you know how church life and our life will change when we get this? When we get this right? That it's not about programs and structures and this and meetings and if revivals. If we get this right, if we say as a church father, we don't want to move unless you say move. We don't want to pray unless you say pray. But it carries on. Listen to this and it says this. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father is in me and else believe me for the sake of, of, the, of works of themselves. Okay, so it says, Most assuredly I say to you, you who believes in me and the works that I did, you will also do. Listen, and greater works than this you will do because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do this, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you speak anything, ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now I want to grab a hold of that thing. Because I think that is probably the most, the scripture that is taken completely out of context. Now you need to bear with this morning. I'm probably going to get a little bit lost, but we need to bear with it this morning. Because the word carries on from the beginning and says, let me say this, most assuredly I say to you, you believe in me, the works that I do, you will also do, and greater works. Now, now we put this into our head. What was Jesus saying here? What was he saying? Because we take the blood, we're going to turn the world upside down, we're going to raise the dead, we're going to pull all these things. No, no, you've got to understand something. Greater works will he do, you I do, than he did. But I did nothing without the authority of my. So, a few years ago, we had a. Um, a uh, a visiting minister to our city. They were in a church in our area and they were very much in the name of the claimant gospel. So one day we leave church here, we know the guys in town, and we leave church here, we go down the road, we go left to the 17th Avenue, and I stop there by the robot with all the things, and next minute I hear see two guys jump out of their cars. And they used to run to the BMW next to them, and they got their hands on the car, and we claim it in the name of Jesus, our Father, we thank you for the BMW that's coming our way. I'm thinking, okay, this guy won't be in the service down the road. <laughs> next to the guy by a four bar four sort of screams at us, I claim that buck in the name. It was a rank, I don't know why it was a rank. <laughs> I claim that buck in the name of Jesus, Father, it is my provision. And I'm standing in the road, and I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? How do we get to a place where we believe that we can just lay in a claim? So, so don't worry about that. I'm going to lay on my blessed assurance for the next five years because I don't need to work because God's got this thing. But next week I'm going to go put my hands on Mandy's Touray or car and go, in Jesus' name, Lord, thank you for this. And God's going to go, you know what, good. Mandy's worked hard. You deserve this car. You've been resting and you are going to have more fun out of this car 
than anybody else. Is that God? Is that really what you think? Is that really what you think? Is it really that we can name and claim gospel? That we can just claim other people's possession and God is okay with it? Let's think about it. So he says, whatever you ask in my name. But listen, that's where we end the scripture. So we think, well, that's great. We're going to ask now. We see this guy asking for planes of 700 million rand because they want to fly to one country because they get claustrophobic in a normal airline. We get guys claiming Lamborghinis and Maseratis and big brother, please, don't hear me here. I'm not saying that God can bless you with that stuff. But if that is the focus of your prayer, if the focus of your request to God is to enhance your life and not the kingdom, then I'm telling you, you're not paying God. You see, there's this little scripture, few words right after this thing. Now, we already spoke the scripture says, we can do all things to God, and then we can whatever you ask in His name, whatever you ask in His name, we're going to get it. Listen to this. The next verse says this. He says, um, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So Jesus is saying, I can give you anything you ask in my name on one condition. On one condition. The Father has to be glorified in your request. That's a, that's a big difference. That's a big difference. That's a big difference in our scripture. And you know why I'm learning this? Because I, I'm not preaching on this because I want to be clear this morning. You know, if, if, if obviously you died down the bulls were lucky last night, they'd be shocks. Um, the ref, obviously, we wouldn't play the ref. Carry on them. I mean, that is how he goes to the entire church. <laughs> what are the odds? But you see, imagine if we decided, well, the rules of rugby are going to change. We're going to move the posts, we're going to take away the boundary lines. We're going to take away the half of all the lines, and all we're going to do is put 15 people on the side, and 15 people on the side, and we're going to kick the ball into the middle, and we're going to You see, this is how we all got. We want this name of the claim stuff. We want this whatever asking your name. We want all these things. But see, when we treat that like a field without boundaries, we don't know where we score. We don't know who's going to win. We don't know how there's any rules involved. Where's the trial line? Where's the upper? Where's the boundary line? And see, when we get into our Christian faith and we haven't got boundaries in our lives, and let me tell you what boundaries are. Boundaries is that we need to fit into the purpose and the plan that God has for us. God doesn't need to fit into the purpose and the plans that we have for ourselves. And I don't want to say this to you. And I hope, you, I hope these words resonate in your heart one day when you stand before you. I really hope my words resonate in your heart. But you've got to understand that we've been placed on this kingdom on earth to build a kingdom. Yeah. And you know what kingdom is about? Kingdom is about people. Yes. Kingdom is about people. Kingdom is not about your car, it's not about your house, it's not about your business, it's not about uh, what smart shoes you wear or what pants you wear. That, that the secular world takes care of. That's what the secular world does. That's not what we do. And we build kingdom. Why? 
Because you want to take a pass to heaven? You want to take your house to heaven? There's Tillman. There's Waski for a second. Tillman lives half burned down the street, the entire house. Can you imagine? We looked at the photo, sorry, Tillman, I mentioned, but I looked at the photo and I said, Chantal, how long do you recover from this? I mean, there's probably about 35 years of just everything in the house. Gone. Photographs, shoes, jackets, sentimental stuff, gone. And somehow we don't realize that when it comes down to the basics, I speak to that family, I'm not probably that age, but I spoke to that family. And the only thing every one of them walked to that thing is, was a miracle, a miracle, a miracle. You see, the only thing that happened to Tillman, Nibot, that last weekend was this, that his family was attacked. Ask him. Ask him that his boat matter to him. Ask him that his Toyota matter to him. Ask him that his house even matter to him. Nothing mattered except the fact that his wife and kids were safe. And we've got to get this because that's such an example of the kingdom of God. Let me tell you something. I want to say to you, in a flash of an eye, you can lose everything you've got and all you've got left is him. And I really hope that you just haven't got a platonic relationship with him because a God in need is a God indeed. You spend more time asking for freaking more airtime and a girlfriend and a bigger house and a bigger car. We do. We all say stuff. I remember we started my story in ministry. We had a 1981 Toyota Corolla 1300. It was Kapoon color. You know that Kapoon color? <laughs> it had so much rust that we wore raincoat on the inside of the car when it rained. I mean, you in a puddle, you did this on the inside, and you can't run through four walls. But I tell you, we were in ministry, and we were picking up like 75 kids in that little car, five at a time. And I remember saying to God, oh God, you know, your servant hurts. Desires a caravel for me. Because Father, can he hearts the kingdom, and I'm going to be able to bring more kids into the kingdom, and all these kinds of things. And the youth will grow and it will be really look good on my resume. And a couple of months gone, where are you? Where are you? Come on. I've given my life to you. I've given up my career. You know, that whole dramatic moment that we have with God in our hand because we deserve so much more. Hey, God just said to me a very simple thing. At the age of 20, he said to me, You love the people more than the car. I will give you a call. <laughs> you know what happened to me? The Spirit of God hit me that I went for three days. I cried as the police was in my desk with pockets. And the tears ran down my face. See, I was still about lost. They were going to book me to sign something. <laughs> something broke in me. And let me tell you something. Since that day, since that day, I've never asked for anything. Materialistic, which is the life lesson that I had. But you know something? I've always somehow had a desire in my heart. We would think about, oh, wouldn't it be great just to maybe have a decent car that we could travel in one day? And it would be like two weeks later, someone phoned me and go, listen, you're not going to believe I've got this, this amazing car. I'm like, oh Lord, I wanted a car for you to visit his bucket, remember? Because, yes. I love that. It was great, but I know you never fall one. And I didn't ask God because it wasn't important.
to the top of the church and says, yeah, that's the top here. Do you want one of these? I'll give it to you for good cause. You see, when we start to see God, and we catch His heart, you've got to understand, God is not impressed by your stuff. God is impressed by your attitude when you come into a place of worship with Him. That's what impresses Him. The word carries on Jesus says, and if you love me, listen to this, He says that, He says, and anything you ask in the name I'll do, you will glorify the Father. And His next sentence is this, and if you love me, keep my commandments. Somewhere along the line, we think this is just like a dress rehearsal. And we're going to get another chance. Do you know there is no other chance? That every day, every night that we go sleep, there's a day that means nothing to us. And we're like, well, you don't want to give my life right next week. No, 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 next week I'm going to eat healthy. No, no, next week I'm going to stop drinking. No, no, next week I'm going to start Bible study. Never tell you something. Anything you put out, you never do. Who knows when you're going to go to start Monday? No, they come in next year. I mean, next Monday. He carries on and says this. And I will pray. Listen, this is Jesus. This scripture is like, I'm not going to go study this thing. This is like my brain stuff. But occasionally says this, he says, um, I will pray to the Father and He will give you another helper that we may abide in you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him and He dwells within you and will be with you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You see, we're in a place in our lives where we think that stuff fixes stuff. And I've had to come to a place in my life where I realize that there's only one person that fixes stuff on the scene. You see, in Western society, and still today, but in that Western society in those days, let me explain this to you, that they would have a, a barter system, can I put it that way? And so what happened was that if I was a, a fisherman, I would have a ledger at the general store. We don't talk about this because we blow still do that. We buy an account. And so I can go buy an account at the general store, as they would do in those days. And what happened was at the end of the month, whatever, 30 days, 6 days, whatever, then I would pay that account. The cool thing was this, that if I had an account at the shop, alright, that, that my son Joshua, whoever, can go to the shop. And in my name, and in my name, they could get whatever they wanted. But we also could understand something, that the shopkeeper that had my ledger would also understand that I was a fisherman. And the things that I ordered would be fishing stuff. But if my son went in there and ordered a pack of Gunston 20s, that's not on the list. Do you know what some people say? You can't have it on your father's name. You see, when Jesus says that whenever you ask in my name, that when you go to God in his name, you can get whatever you want in his name that he's allowed to give you.
was having an affair and asked me to pray that God would please help them decide which one is the woman that they need to be with. In His name. Can you do that? Are you getting what I'm saying? You see, we are asking God for stuff that He that is not up to you. He cannot lie to you. You see, I cannot beg 50 rand on a horse and start to pray and fast for two days because I want God to make the horse to win. <laughs> How many of you people? No, 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 go away. How many of you people? Pray that God give you a lot of numbers. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. And, and you guys have bargained with God. You guys said, God, I want a lot of I need a ball. Please come for this job. <laughs> you guys want a lot of We don't see you again. I'm joking. We pray this stuff. We pray this stuff. And then we want God to meet our need. And when He doesn't, then we, and then we think, why are prayers so watered down when we come and pray for healing? Instead of spending time in the presence of God, worrying about a person that needs to be raised from the dead, we keep busy asking about junk that He cannot give us. And then we become despondent. And then we say, where are you God? Where are you in this crisis? Why haven't you solved the COVID stuff? You know God, why are so many people dying? But why is my finances in the list? Why aren't things turning around? And we go back to the scripture Matthew it says, and seek the first the kingdom of God. What is a kingdom? A kingdom is a country or an area that is ruled by a king. Who is our king? You see, as the king of this kingdom, I can give you whatever is in my kingdom. But I cannot give you what is in Andrew's kingdom. And I've got this message to you this morning because I think we are wasting so much time praying so wrong. We have lost purpose. We have lost plan. We just want to be H-A-P-P-Y in our lives. Hey? We don't want any drama. We don't want anybody to die. We don't want our debit orders to bounce. We don't want our kids to disrespect us. We just want this HAPPY life. But the word of God says, in this life, you will have troubles. And you've got to understand, this is not God giving you troubles. This is the consequence of the terrible decisions that you make. God, you don't understand, Lord. You blessed me with that BMW. I now can't afford the payments, but I know you blessed me with it. But now, back now, I don't understand, Lord. Hey, I pray. I pray things that God, if this person alone is from you, it'll be approved. How many person has been turned down? About one percent. Do you see how we preempt God's decision? And then we want to get disappointed when there's an answer there. We've got to get this place where he says that this thing, most surely I say to you, you believe in me and the works that I do, you will also do and greater works than these you will do because I go to my Father. 
What is the works that he's speaking about? The very things I mentioned this morning. I've learned in life that if this is good, this doesn't really matter. Because if this is good, then me and the missus are often good. And then me and the kids are often good. And then me and friends are good. Because this is good. But when I think that I need this to make that good, there's an issue. And I don't want to close with this today. I want to say to you, and I want to go right to the top of the scripture. Alright? Where Jesus, where Jesus turns around and he says this. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. You see, when we believe in God and we believe Jesus and believe that He's the Son of God, He died and rose again for us, that the things that we so require and desire will come away. You know, Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, Fret not, says God, for I will give you the desires of your heart. Do you really think that God doesn't know what you need? I mean, the word of God says he knows the very number of hair on our heads. For so, for me, it's But if he knows, if he knows that about us, if he knows that about us, don't you think he knows about all the other stuff? Hey? Don't you think he knows that we're not spending the time the way we should live? Yeah. Do you think, don't you think he knows when we just say that like, Prayer that she's like, oh, bless us, bless the family, blah, 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 like a ritual kind of religious thing. Do you think he doesn't know when you wake up this morning like I did and went, oh, I'm going to go to church. And I love church. I said to God, Friday morning, I'm off. And I'm awake, chook, six o'clock. Saturday morning, I'm off, chook, six o'clock. Sunday morning, I'm off. You're not, alright, I'm not telling you, my praise God, I'm not so good. It's a real thing. You know, we, we want to speak about revival. We want to speak about signs, wonders, and miracles. We want to speak about people's lives being changed. We, we want to speak about like, the men that are out of chest and touch up in lives with George's God. We want to see those things. You see, we have to believe in God. And we have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And we've got to understand that God knows the very desires of my heart. And God knows the very desires of your heart. And God knows what you need. So can I ask you a favor? Maybe stop bugging God with all your needs this week. I know you've got problems. I know you've got daily orders. I know the work isn't coming in. I, I understand all of that. I know your marriage came to the top your business isn't where it should be. But can I ask you? See, there's a word in scripture that says this. Cast your burdens unto Jesus. Because he cares. Do you know what happens when you cast something? You throw it away from you. And I want you this week, I want to trust you this week. You want to trust God. To spend time with Him. Because He's Him. I want you to spend time with God. Because He's God. I want you to spend time with the Holy Spirit. Because He's the Holy Spirit. And I want you to not worry about all the stuff that goes with it. And let me tell you something. I can guarantee you that in this week, that as you focus,
focus on Him and the calling and the purpose that God has for you. And you take and shut what did you say? I do nothing except what I've seen my father do and under the authority that dad has given me. So this week, let us not make one decision without knowing that we have consulted with God and we're only going to do what He says. Can we try that? You guys are a bit nervous. You go, like, what are you going to pay that five minutes? I'm being serious. Know Him. And I promise you, God will turn your life around. And I promise you that as you spend that time with Him and getting to know Him, believing in Him and believing in Jesus, I want to tell you that people will be drawn to you like a, like a moth to a lamp. You see, when the Spirit of God is in us, there's nothing that can stop us. When the Spirit of God is in us, there's nothing that can cause a shadow of it. When God says that you're the light of the world, the city on a hill that cannot be judged. But you know, there's one thing about a candle, it has to have a flame. If I put a candle up on a hill and I don't light it, nobody's going to see a thing. But when we light that candle, and we only operate with what God says, and only under His authority, and we don't do anything outside of His will, all these things shall be added unto us. No, you can't go name it and claim it right now. Everyone's going to run the body of BMW outside. <laughs> you know what? Let's get to a place where we allow what God wants for us to come our way. Don't you think He knows us better than we know ourselves? Okay? And instead of praying for all the stuff, why don't we allow God to bless us? Why don't we allow God to say to me, Johnny, this is what I have for you. Next, this is what I'm doing. I know you've been asking for this, but this is what I have for you. And this week, when we stop focusing on what we want and our desires, and we just like you to be in, in us and through us, I can promise you, signs, wonders, and miracles will follow. But we have to believe in God and work under His authority. How many of us are prepared to get into a place where we will not do one thing unless God says it. You want to speak about a powerful church? You want to speak about a powerful people? We only do what the Father says. We heard it this morning. It's about being obedient. But you see, the only reason, the only way that you and I can be obedient is when we trust someone. You know, I'm in a, in, a, in a good relationship with Devil. And Devil said to me, because I was praying this morning and God said to me, you must stand on the foyer roof and preach from there. When that is good, I will do what he says. You know what? Because I know his heart towards me. And you go, that's not with God. When you're in a good relationship with him, he's never going to do anything to hurt you, or embarrass you, or humiliate you, or pull you to pieces, or bring up the worst of you. He only wants the best for you. But you've got to be that person that's prepared to rule under authority, in authority, and know the heart of the Father for the way going forward. I know your family, I know your friends, I know your finances, I know all those things are back in you right now. As we can make our way to God, God says, you will direct our path. I think it's time we will allow God to direct our path. We will allow God to heal us. We will allow God to set us free. We will get rid of all this religious nonsense. 
and all these gimmicks. Let me tell you something. There's, we're going to get over this. Peter writes and he says, there's no other gospel but the gospel of Jesus. There's no this gospel and that gospel and this gospel. And there's, there's no such thing. We've taken the gospel and put it into little areas. There's no such thing. There's only one gospel and that's Jesus. Resurrected. Right there to the Father on our behalf. That's the only gospel we need to preach. And I think when you and I, you know what, this, this story in, in Acts where, where this eunuch comes from Princess Candace to bring up an offering. And I, I'll give the scripture, but you guys will get it. And, and he, goes, he goes and he brings the worship of this eunuch. And as he's traveling back, the word of God says that he's reading the scroll of Isaiah. And he says to his father, he says, God, how do I understand this? He then says, if nobody explains it to me. And all of a sudden, Philip is taken away, like 80 k's away. Go read it. 80 k's away, next minute he's running next to a chariot. And Philip turns around to the man and says to him, do you know what you're reading? And he says, how do I understand that anybody else will not be able to explain it to me? The word carries on and says this. And Philip preached Jesus. I think that's like what the response said. I love that. Philip preached Jesus. You know what happened? The Lugimic started looking for water. But no, this is not like Africa. They were no water. All he wanted to do was be baptized. When he preached Jesus, things changed. When he preached Jesus, things changed. When we preach Jesus, our lives change. When we preach Jesus, our relationship changes. When we preach Jesus, everything is turned around. Why? Because the word of God says he's the Alpha and the he's the first and the last. He's Jehovah Child, our provider. He's banner of us, love. Can we stand? You know, there's one thing that the enemy does. And it's this day. Whenever, and I can see this in church life for so long, I see men and women so on fire for Jesus, sold out. And slowly but surely, as the things of God start to change in life, they almost start to drop further and further away from God. And there comes this time in our lives where God just stops me in my track and I'm speaking about me now. And says to me, What are you doing? What are you doing? You focus on the wrong things. And I really feel my heart this morning, God says that you need to refocus. Shift your focus from the thing that you so desperate for and shift your focus to Him. Get this morning, God loves you more than you can ever, ever, ever imagine. And He only wants the best for you. Only the best for you. So why don't you take a chance to speak? And say, God, I don't want what's best for me. I want what you believe is best for me. And I promise you, church, we do for next week. So, Father, come in Jesus' name. Come upon us. We understand the scriptures when it says that we can do all things. We understand the scriptures anything you ask in your name. Inform the parameter of who you are, you will give it to us. And so I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would come and fill us upon the overflowing. That you can come and stir something in us this morning. And as we end this meeting this morning, if you really feel so despondent at the moment, maybe you can read the boldness that we spoke about this morning. Maybe you just don't know where you are and you just feel like maybe God has left you. Or you're facing a crisis and you just... There's actually no 
that is you, I want to pray for you. Off to the service. And I want to take that moment just to allow God to be God in life.